Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Invisible Sun, the new RPG that I bought, as well as some Adventure League rules, and Lucian gets a TPK. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Good morning on a wonderful Saturday, or at least it is here. I've got the sun shining. It looks like it's going to be warm, so it's going to be a nice kind of September. First week in September, we're starting to get to fall. So that's a, this is like prime Dungeons and Dragons time now. This is like we're gonna start getting <laughs> start getting colder. So we're gonna start playing those cool stories to warm ourselves as uh, the temperature begins to change. Yeah, I love fall. The U.S. <laughs> if you're on the I, other zone, could be yeah, good. I love fall. Um, my birthday is in October, and so uh, this October is going to be the last month before my baby arrives in November. So I want to, and it's going to be my birthday month. So I want to do a bunch of like birthday stuff and I want to try and schedule a bunch of games. And I like, if I could have a game, like, I don't know, four or five games a week and then other fun stuff, like go see movies or hang out with friends and things like that during But I want to do something like every day because it's going to be like this jam packed. I want to make it this jam packed month of, of just fun. So, right. uh, or think of it this way. So you're going to have the baby. And if it's mm-hmm. all typical, it means you're going to be up at 3 a.m. because you got to hold the baby and it needs mm-hmm. things. Maybe you should schedule games at 3 a.m. so that you can hold the baby while you play. <laughs> you get to play D&D while you're taking care of, you know, your, your son or daughter at that oh, point. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that that's a plan. Well, yeah. I, I don't know if I like it, but that's a plan. <laughs> or could it be twins? I mean, do twins run in the Jordan family? They do. Uh, according to the ultrasound, we don't have twins. But, okay. <laughs> uh, twins run in both my family and my wife's family. So we okay. were like, oh, I don't know. But yeah. So uh, that's uh, October is going to be good. I'm really excited. Uh, September is good as well, but I'm in a play right now. And so mm-hmm. I have shows for the whole month of September. Um, and that is going to suck up most of my time, which is why I didn't play a, 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 a huge amount of D&D this last week. But we still have lots of stuff to talk to talk about, I guess I should say. Um, starting off, we've got uh, Adventure League rules are released ahead of Descent into Avernus. Uh, did you get a chance to peruse these at all? Mostly just the announcement portion of it, though I have not dived into the actual um, uh, Adventure League 9 player guide or, or Dungeon Master guide yet. Um, it seems like the big changes revolve around the things that everybody's going to be looking at is definitely when to use your character advance, when what magic items can you or can't you get or how often do you get magic items or where do you get them or how many can you have that type Mm -hmm. of thing and then how much gold are you going to get to be able to spend and all of that seems to be kind of defined um the big change that i see that everybody will have to kind of adjust to from season eight to season nine is that it looks like it's that per adventure your character would level up Unless it's a hardcover, it seems like it says. And if it's a hardcover, then it goes, if you played for four hours, then you level up. Or yeah. your DM can tell you you've leveled up. You can and if choose t- not to level up, though. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And if you're in the tiers two through four, then it's eight hours of play, and then you level up. Um, and, and they word it in a way that seemed interesting. Like it was in hardcover adventure sessions, your DM will tell you when you've gained a level. Otherwise, if they don't tell you after four hours of play and then blah, 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 they move on. And again, if you're in the middle of like, we're in the middle of um, um, Tomb of Annihilation. So if we are running an Adventure League style game of that and we felt like, you know, I don't want to go to 10 quite yet because we want to finish the tomb. We don't want to level out of what we think that tomb might be. Then it would be easy for me to say, no, I'm going to just stay at this level for now. And then when we finish this tomb and we get out of here, then you know, I would, I'll take my level up. So it, it, and there are people that don't want to out level other party members in case there's a disparity, like your, your friends playing or your family members playing and Maybe they have a fifth level and you have a seventh level. You don't want to get too far ahead of them. So you can kind of control that kind of thing. Um, Magic items are based on tiers and how many you can have. 
So there's a magic item limit. So at tier one, you can only have one magic item. At tier two, you get you can have three. Tier three, six, and tier four, ten. So it looks like they're just trying to make that easier so that when you're going from one game to another that you're not an overpowered character compared to the rest of the people at the table, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to control it that way. Monetary awards, there's a maximum GP min- limit that you can meet. The GM can dole out a certain amount, and you can take the maximum of that portion for your tier and hourly play. Um, so even if there was more that could have been gained, you only get that that. So, much. and I was a little confused by this. Do you just get gold for playing? Like it's yeah. it's it's rather than finding a stash of gold, it's a and I guess as a DM you could make it so that they find a stash of gold that equates to this, so you could do yeah. that. But uh, it just playing every hour gets you like twenty gold pieces. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and mechanically, I think you're correct. It doesn't sound like it would fit fit, but I think that's what is part of the job of the Adventure League DM. Mm-hmm. is to give a narrative reason like you said give okay. narrative reasons for these weird mechanics to happen okay uh, and maybe that would smooth over the the you know the our mind canon or our head canon of how things are working and going so um then it talks about seasonality stuff definitely dive into that because there's a little bit more going on and i definitely want to get into the the longer rules of it though me and you have kind of gotten away from playing adventure league games for the most part because we've got groups that are playing long-standing campaigns and adventure league's that really good thing about being able to jump around but maybe this comes back around for us if maybe next year when we do one of the conventions and we do like an adventure league game at the conventions maybe these will become relevant again because i think that'd be fun if we did characters that you only played at conventions so that the only time you got to bring them out is if you went to a convention and played um so i think that'd be kind of cool to do one time so but that's out there. You can find that out on the dndadventuresleague.org website. That's ran by a bunch of the volunteers. Maybe a couple of them are paid over their employees, but I think it's a large volunteer group that runs that website for um, Wizards of the Coast, and they can, they make the adventures. The other thing to keep in mind is that this season should officially release September 17th, which coincides with the release of... Baldur's Gate, Descent to Avernus, and it also coincides with, I believe, three adventures that are going to be released on the DMs Guild for Adventure Mm -hmm. League Season 9 specifically. So keep an eye out for that stuff for all of you Adventure League players that are interested in that info. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like Lucian said, we haven't played Adventure League in quite a while um, just because I got enough people to play regular D&D games. And if I'm going to be honest, I prefer regular D&D over all the like weird minutia rules of Adventure League. Uh, and it's frustrating because I have my Adventure League bard that, I, that still could work in an Adventure League game, but I think I have to really tweak him and remove magic items and remove a bunch of stuff that he has, which is just kind of like, well, that's disappointing. And so mm-hmm. it's almost better if I just start a new character for a new season, but like I don't necessarily want to start at level one again. I got to level five. I was really excited, but now you level up so fast. So like I could be level five after, I don't know, a month of gameplay maybe or something. So Or five adventures. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Five, yeah. Any one of those little adventures. And those are mostly those, you know, like those DMs guild adventures or the old style adventure league adventures were very much a, one or two sessions you could be done even only one session you could be done with that adventure so right. a lot of that stuff was meant to be able to sit down and play and you were done it wasn't like taking tomb of annihilation the book or storm king's thunder which is a three-year campaign style um the, so you could just pick and choose those so quickly after five sessions you could easily five adventures five sessions you'd be fifth level so yeah if you like to level fast and you like to try out your character builds i definitely think adventure guild uh, or adventure league is one of the best ways to go especially since you can change things up to certain levels yeah so you try stuff out up to uh level five and you can say you know i didn't like that combination maybe i want to try it as a half elf to see how that gives me some other difference or maybe i like this other subclass a little bit different this one's not working the way i thought it was so there's really a lot of fun ways for you to change your character and get them locked in before you kind of move on so and it goes by so quickly that you can do them you know quite quite a bit whereas other campaigns are much slower yeah i did that with my bard i had uh 
dual wielding. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I actually use my bonus actions for spells a lot more than I use for like my other attack. So then I turned it into dueling and enjoyed that a whole bunch more. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's kind of cool. And that was only through play did I realize that I, I wanted that instead of the other things. so. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So other news that was out there, you can find some videos. Uh, Lori, you should know there was a couple of them. We've got a big Eberron push going on since the announcement and that's released in November. So when Jordan says, uh, my baby's coming, he doesn't mean that the Eberron yeah. book. My Eberron baby. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. But, uh, they talk about the elemental ships of Eberron. How, uh, tell us a little bit about this, Jordan. You're probably more of our Eberron expert than I am. Yeah. Tell us about elemental ships of Eberron. You know, I, I I wish we had talked about this before the show because I don't actually know. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, this is what I know. Because <laughs> uh, I know that they exist, and I know, yeah. like, just like the lightning rail, they've harnessed uh, elemental energy or elementals themselves yeah. to kind of power yep. said things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't actually know. The as thing much I as know I about it is there's a certain house that holds a monopoly over creating these. They're Correct. mostly used as passenger vehicles and they do have the different elements. So you can see a fire one, a wind one, a water one. And a, I don't know if they had an earth one or not, but it might've been something else, a lightning one or something like that. And apparently they have a ring around the midship portion of these what look like a sailing ship in some ways, but with spars out. And these things are able to then navigate using that. Uh, and the energy comes from the planes, I believe. Yeah. Of those elemental planes. And so they, they fly. That We should point that out. They're like, they're yeah. not sailing in the ocean or something. They're airships. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're flying around. Um, and so they talked a little bit about those. They showed some cool artwork about them. They, uh, they gave us a little bit of information about how or why they exist. And maybe even some adventures that you could do. They definitely talked about you could run adventures where, you know, you could do, um, what is that one movie about the express train on the Orient? There's like the murder mystery on the, on the Oriental Orient express murder on the train. Orient express. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I was trying to remember what the exact name was, but you could do a, a very whodunit yeah. kind of, you know, kind of what you're doing in your play a little bit. Everybody's trapped in a room. Somebody's died. And now while this thing is on its way to its destination, nobody can actually get off because it's flying, you know, where mm -hmm. it's going. We have to solve the mystery of who died, why, and who did it and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you could really do what? those. It was yeah, Sir so Lucian in the kitchen with the dagger. I think that's how it would work. No, it'd be a little lightning bolt. Lucian always says and then And then you literally stop playing D&D and you put down a Clue board game that you've modified for Eberron and you play Clue and then you go back to D&D. That, yeah, there you go. It's a box set. It comes yeah. with the Eberron book <laughs> and a Clue box. <laughs> so you can play it. So you can definitely do that. There's They were talking, they're really pushing the noir version of this. So this idea of playing those storylines this is the campaign setting that um, really kind of fits that stuff. Um, so I thought that was interesting. The other thing they talked about were trolls just offhand. And they definitely just joked the whole time about the difference between internet trolls and trolls in Dungeons and Dragons. And they made lots of jokes there, but trolls are a pretty, pretty big staple of, I think of all my games, I think every single campaign I have ran, my players have ran into a troll as an iconic encounter at some point i'm sure what about you do you use trolls in your campaigns quite a bit i do actually and i have um some trolls coming up in uh i had some trolls in salt marsh and i actually have some trolls coming up in uh my shadowfell game um that uh is a random encounter that i'm going to throw at some point um but they're going to be like weird bog trolls and so i'm going to make it so that they they're very fire resistant and so my players are going to have to figure out the the because that's the whole thing with trolls you kind of just sh shake it up you know like what yeah. what are what what is going to stop their their regeneration this time so <laughs> that, that actually just happened in our last session where they got fought by two of them and one of them had a toe ring of regeneration and it was a modified ring that I created that would only do like two points of um, regen mm -hmm. once per round. And so they were trying to do their little trick of why well, just stuff the torch in it so it burns and it's not going to come back. And then that torch would ri the troll would rise back up and they were like, what's going on? We know the rules. You're cheating. And they were just like, <laughs> 
I was like, it rises up, you know, and they always know there's a reason eventually once they get past their shock of, oh, oh, something's done something that my D&D knowledge didn't think could happen. And they finally did a perception check and he's like, oh, it is wearing a ring. And he's like, that's it. We chop that limb off and they take the ring and now it no longer comes back to life type thing and they burn it and they get mm-hmm. it all done. And they've got another troll coming up um, that is uh, in the old, I've converted this adventure, we're a little bit ahead, um, of a Gary Gygax adventure and he had created a giant troll. So mm. basically just upping the ante of a troll. And so I had to create a 5e version of basically a giant troll. What would that look like? And uh, they're going to f- come across that pretty soon, too. So we'll see how that goes. Sweet. Um, so th- they're cool. So trolls are a pretty cool staple. They're they're definitely an iconic um, thing that you would have found in fairy tales and could have been monsters that people told their kids about back, you know, in hundreds and thousands of years ago. Maybe not thousands of years ago, but definitely hundreds of years ago was part of those kinds of stories. So it's cool that they still are in the stories of 2019 yeah. that we might try to scare our friends with, or, or you have to defeat the the yeah. evil troll who's eating the children of the village or whatever. It might Tangent. Be. Have you ever seen yeah. the movie troll hunter? Yes. Yeah. Like that is it. a great modern retelling of, of classic, you know, Norse fairy tale creature. Um, yeah. That's a great movie. So you should yeah, check out really troll good hunter. one. I recommend it. <laughs> um, and then there was uh, a little bit of a, a spoiler, I guess. Uh, and I think this was from the WizKids models. But um, there's a city in uh, in Faerun called uh, El Turel. El Turel. Mm-hmm. Um, again, terrible with pronunciations. We all know this about me by this point. Um, and its king or its, its leader, its lord, is actually um, a demon in the whiz kids packs and so and he has the same name so people were just like well what does this mean and then wizards kind of came out and said oh well it's uh you know something's going to happen with descent into avernus and so that's all story related but this city it was in uh uh horde of the dragon queen and rise of tiamat so it's it's a city that we visited before in the forgotten realms but now something's something drastic's going to happen to it um, and it has some really cool things. I guess like their their mounted militia is called the Hell Riders, which is kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. So not a lot to talk about there. Just kind of like a minor spoiler, but I thought it was interesting enough to throw it in here. Um, they mentioned yeah. it again because that spoiler goes out, and then Kate Welch mentions it on the spoiler and swag show. She actually oh, she did. Okay. confirms it even after that. So yeah, they do talk about that the city is destroyed, and that is part of the adventure in some way. Yeah. So that's really cool, and I and it's cool that again. Forgotten Realms is shifting and changing based on the adventures that they're coming out with, which is kind of fun, um, which is how it was in the past. Adventures were changing the realms and things like that. So it's kind of cool. Um, yeah. And then the big one, the Unearthed Arcana, Sorcerer and Warlock. And this was, uh, how'd you feel about these subclasses? They were really cool, I thought. They were definitely interesting. So again, we're getting a couple of items and so quick which was yeah, really that, interesting this one so, came so out quick after like, the other one because what what did we just get i forget yeah uh, I, I totally forget now because it's been so quick that, but yeah. we did have another one right before this and then yeah, yeah it was the no, barbarian and the monk right oh that's right the the feywild barbarian and the uh um, yeah. the like six arm monk that was kind of well, no, I was about to say kind of like psychic, but not really. It was like finding your inner chi and channeling all that stuff. So Yeah. And so then we have this this next one, which is interesting to me because you get um one felt like the idea of how could we introduce psionics without like psionics being its own book. Because like in third edition, they mention it, but then eventually a book comes out that d- describes all of it. So it was like bringing out a whole resource on its own. Or even, I don't know how they handled it in fourth edition um, as far as how they brought psionics back in. But this felt like, do they, they've tried a couple of different ways. Do we do it with its class or do we do it with just a subclass and keep the existing classes that we have? Is there another way we can introduce this kind of mechanic? And then the warlock was definitely a warlock that Mike Merles worked on in his show that he ran that he hasn't ran in a long time now, mm-hmm. but he ran a bunch of shows about building subclasses and once a week he would build a subclass and this kind of warlock of a Kraken, basically a, a patron of a Kraken kind of thing came a patron of the deep um, came about in one of those sessions where they were talking about 
creating a new warlock subclass. So it was pretty cool to see that. But once again, we know these books lead to maybe a book that might be coming out. This is interesting because we get something that's part of a deep ocean, which you thought might have could have come out in, you know, salt marsh at that point. So we're already past a salt marsh. Does that mean there's another something ocean-like adventure on the horizon for next year or the year after? Um, does do we get something that brings in psionics as a campaign world? Do we is are we going to get something like a Dark Sun campaign setting? Are we going to get a campaign setting that these would fit in? Because now Eberron books about to go out. I don't know if these two would fit in Eberron, and Eberron yeah. books already been sent to the printer. So I heard Jeremy say, we've just sent that off to the printer. So I'm assuming no more changes are being made to the Eberron book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this doesn't and, um, feel like the Eberron class. And more than psionics, like it did deal with psionics, but more than that, it, it seemed to deal with the far realm and those weird abolith creatures that exist uh, in the far realm. And so I feel like this is going to be something that are that is for maybe a new source book, but maybe more like a new adventure that deals with the far realm. And they're like, if you really want to incorporate your far realm nest, then here are these things because the, and the warlock almost felt like a, not a rehash, but just like a reflection of the otherworldly patron that we already have. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know. Or maybe they're just playing with something, but they never just play. It feels like they're always, there's always a reason there's that reason. they're doing this play test. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. But I feel like there's probably going to be like a campaign in the far realm. Um, and then these will be options within the book maybe, or something. But... Spelljammer confirmed. That's yeah. all I'm <laughs> Spelljammer. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, that would, yeah, that would work really well. And you have like, yeah. yeah, that would be really interesting. Because then if, if you do a, or a planescape, a planes hopping campaign setting could use things like these because then you can have some very widely different things that are coming from really different areas and they could all come together in a book and it would make sense. Like those things could exist together. So I'm excited. I love, I love the D and D classes. I love when we get more to play around and tinker with. I love um, thinking about the new possibilities that we can get with those characters to see. Cause I loved war mage when it came out. Um, I played some of these other ones that come out of Xanathar's Guide, and it'll be cool to see some of these newer ones coming out too. So yeah. it'll be really fun. And that's kind of the direction they want to go. They want to create more subclasses rather than uh, new classes. You know? It feels and, that way. Unless sure. unless there is a artificer campaign setting that requires a new class, which I imagine if they ever come out with Dark Sun, maybe even if they ever come out with, maybe not Spelljammer, because I don't know if there's like a new class for Spelljammer, but like definitely Dark Sun, I could see them being like, no, we want to kind of craft a new a new class, but for the most part, it's just subclasses. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, we're going to get like Call of Cthulhu D&D, &D, and that's why we have this stuff going on. <laughs> like something's going to happen. I feel like it's an adventure, but time will tell. Well, and they're working two years ahead at this point. They're They're working on stuff, or they have stuff drawn out that's yeah. two years release schedule wise and you know so they've got that means how many book how many main big books at least four big campaign books plus two or three other supplements per year so you're talking about another you know four to six more books so they have to be working on a lot of content if they're going to keep up mm -hmm. on the release schedule like that. So. And uh, William in YouTube chat said that the acquisitions incorporated the most recent packs. They went through the far realm. Um, so I haven't watched that one yet. So that there you go. More, more far realm hints. So I did just watch that also. And it was a pretty funny uh, episode. If you enjoyed the one previous, um, you will definitely enjoy this one because it's more of those shenanigans. Um, and they were talking about they will continue that adventure in PAX Unplugged. So they're definitely, cool. you can kind of keep up with that storyline. And um, yeah, I won't spoil any of it. Yeah, it no, don't really spoil it because I don't want to be, I don't want to have spoilers. I want to watch it and have fun <laughs> yeah. uh, whenever I have it's my free time. It's really a spoiler that they often tie in what they're doing to things that are coming out. So Correct. that's, they just do that automatically. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so but that's about it that i saw for news i mean we've um i did see a bunch of people tweeting out now that you can go out and get the D, &D essentials kit anywhere now you yep. can get it from amazon you can get it from any of the stores that normally have stuff so if you were holding out and you didn't go to target to get it though i think many did 
Um, it is available everywhere and it's getting a lot of praise and a lot of rave as being a really good starter set. So you could use the starter set if you want to run your characters through Fandolin. Uh, For those of you that might be listening and have never been a DM before, or you can grab this newer box set called The Essentials and it also going to be in the town of Fandolin where it starts, but also a bunch of adventures that you could run your players on. And it sounds like it's structured to be really brand new DM friendly and brand new player friendly. So if you've got that type of group, you finally made the leap like me and Jordan did many years ago to, to make the leap to DM's seat and to gather a group of players to play. Um, maybe that's that can help you out mm-hmm. clear up some of that anxiety for you so you don't get too worried about it. Because yeah. once you do it, it's so much fun, you'll never stop in, in my eyes. I, I can't ever imagine not DMing at this point because I have so much fun coming up with ideas and seeing the players' reactions to those ideas and seeing what worked and what didn't and thinking about how I can do other things and all those creative um, storylines and hooks just come at me at all. I'll, I'll be doing walking out cleaning my pool or in the shower or just doing on a walk and then something will come to me is like i should have them fight red caps and the reason is because the fungus is trying to take over the world and this is what's going to happen and you just your mind just gets going so it's really cool so i definitely recommend it don't be afraid to be a dungeon master out there or a game master if you're playing a different game uh i have to have my door shut because we have some people over and it's loud and felix does not like the closed doors in the house no, no, no. You're He's not awesome. in charge of his house. He's in charge <laughs> of his house. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit. Speaking of just it. being like a DM. Yeah. Um, it's interesting when I like I love being a, a dungeon master. And uh, but when I read like RPGs, there's always that point where I'm just like, if I could play in this game, I know exactly what character I would make. And it would be this character and I would have so much fun. And if only I could find somebody to run this game for me, then I could play that character. But then you get past the character creation rules and you start reading about all the dungeon master stuff in the world. And you're like, I wouldn't have known any of this. And this is really cool. Now I want to run this game. Case in point, I bought Invisible Sun, (laughs) which is a Monty Cook RPG that they created um, that is been toted as kind of expensive and i was always on the fence because of its how expensive it was but then it's not kind of expensive well it is expensive it is expensive but (laughs) the the way i ended up well i was overthinking it so much that i'm just like i have to get this because i'm just thinking about it too much but uh i i justified it because it is um four books and a bunch of props and a bunch of of extra items and when you add all of that like if that was you know, you're thinking $50, $40 a book for D&D. And if it's like, well, I'm going to buy the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Monster Manual, and an adventure, that's four books. That's $200 right there, you know? And nice. so you start thinking about that. And so all of a sudden it was like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna justify it. And I really wanted it, whatever. So I bought Invisible Sun, the RPG. <laughs> but I've been reading through it. My physical box will arrive on Tuesday or Wednesday. And I am... Uh, gonna do an unboxing video on the channel, I think. So stay tuned for that. That should be fun. But uh, I have the PDFs right now, and I've been reading through it. And I'm reading through character creation because that's kind of where you start with a lot of RPGs. Is like, how does somebody make a character in here, and then you expand upon that? Because after character creation, you're then gonna learn how to play your character that you just made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I already want to be this character with these abilities and in this thing. And it just like, I don't know, I was reading it and I'm like, now I want somebody to run this for me because I know exactly what I would play and all this other stuff. But uh, really excited for running that. And I hope that I do get a chance to run it Um, with my schedule, the way it is, it's hard to, and Lucian, you're the same way. Like you run so many games that it's hard to fit in a new game, especially like a different system when it's fairly easy to find players for, uh, Dungeons and Dragons online, especially, but it's a little harder, I think, to find players for like like City of Mists or something that you're excited for. And yep. this is another one where I would have to take a group of people and 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 we would literally have to learn a Monty Cook game from the ground up because it's it's not I don't want to say so different from D and D, but it is so different from D and D. So yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm really excited for that, and I uh, I don't know like. 
you get these new systems and you're just like, I just want to run this. Like, did you feel the same way about your Forbidden Lands that you were going through? Because you did yeah, an unboxing yeah. about that. You bought that wow. at Gen Con. Yeah, so I read through that and it was really good. And I, I tweeted out earlier this week that it's felt like Kickstarter Christmas because a bunch of Kickstarters that we started several months ago, mm -hmm. four or five, even six months ago, and I went on a big splurge. Like I just, I must've done five or six in a row and then forgot about them. Well, they all started showing up in the mail all of a sudden again. And so like I picked up um, Tiny Supers, which I've been reading, which has just been, this is really good. I love the size of the book and I love how it reads and it plays super fast, 2D6 system. And yeah, as I'm I bought Tiny it, like, Dungeon. It's the same I system, I think. It. And it's a yeah. really fun system. Like, yeah, really cool, cool dice. Yeah. That came nice. in like POW and BAM and, and that cool. And then even better came in Carbon 2185, a cyberpunk RPG. And this book is gorgeous. This nice. is like on the, on the par of the books that I have that I think are some of the highest quality I've bought is like Matt Colville's book. Mm -hmm. That is quality book. The pages are quality, the pictures, the artwork, the layout. And this book matches that. And I've been reading through this one and it has me like, oh, now I want to play this. So I keep getting RPGs and I keep reading new ones. Um, I have, you know, Forbidden Lands back there. I've got all these great RPGs. And as I read them, I've got um, Part-Time Gods over there, which was really mm -hmm. good. And we played a little bit of, I've got Warhammer up there that finally came in all this stuff is so good that you get super excited about it. But the player pool for all these different games is definitely much more shallow than the Dungeons and Dragons pool. I can, I feel like I can throw one line out for a Dungeons and Dragons game and I can get 20 people that want to play that. Yeah. And I throw 20 lines out and I might get one player interested in trying to out some of these other ones. So yeah. it's definitely hit and miss to get a group together. The other thing I was trying to do too is like, I'm trying to put together for the first time, I wanted to try out being a controversy here, huge controversy for all you then in chat, a DM who could make some money being a really good DM. Cause you've seen the articles, you've seen mm. people who've done it. So I did it over on roll 20. You, they allow you the ability to do what is called a paid game to have somebody come in and pay for the game. And then it runs a, a campaign for them. So I'm going to do one for, um, we'll see descent for Avernus on Tuesday nights. And I put it up on roll 20 and people can pay. And so kind of the pitch was for the same amount of money you would spend at McDonald's once a week, you know, you uh, get rid of one of your McDonald's trips and instead send that money to the, the dungeon master. Who's going to run you through a campaign once a week for a, a three and a half hours session. Mm -hmm. And, and so I've gotten some interest in that. We'll see if it gets enough interest to get off the ground. Um, and it's kind of an experiment to, to see if that stuff works, if there's a market out there for it, but I definitely couldn't do it at all if it was a different system dungeons and dragons is about the only yeah. system that i think we could do it with at this point but it's a good system and i love 5e and i'm definitely not burned out i'm not like ready to stop 5e i love playing 5e i just i really want to also get to some of these yeah. other things i just wish i could play some of these other ones too no so. you just get excited get for new rpgs which is exactly like yeah. and i've got some kickstarters coming in too uh i've got one i've got my dcc kickstarter coming in where i oh, i got not only the the extra annual book but i they were like hey do you want to throw on anything extra and i'm like sure i'll throw in this like perils of the purple planet sandbox and so i want to run that online as well and it was weird because it was like a like a month ago i was just like super like dungeon crawl classics and i wanted to run this dcc game and i was trying to get a bunch of stuff going mm -hmm. and then because of the play that i'm in it kind of fizzled out and now all i can think about is invisible sun so it is <laughs> just kind of like what's the latest and greatest that's coming through yeah. at the moment uh because i'm what's sure once my yeah once my dcc kickstarter arrives i'm probably going to be like oh i gotta like run this and i gotta play this and it's gotta be yeah. so exciting so <laughs> and the thing about invisible sun is i don't think a one shot will do it like Dungeon Crawl Classics, I can do like a one or two shot and have a lot of fun and kind of get it out of my system. But this is definitely going to have to be like a maybe an eighth month campaign. Like you want to be able to hit all of those all of those story elements throughout the game. And yeah, yeah. and it would be it would be a different story than you've told before. Which yeah, I think would also be exciting and also let the creativeness in your mind go in a different route because it's used to thinking of high fantasy plot mm -hmm. hooks. It's used to thinking about the groups that you already have currently. So it's gotten used to those patterns. And now you're about to throw something very different at your brain to say, 
hey, what do you think of this? And your brain's like, ooh, give me this new thing I've not had before. So Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes, yeah, so, so I think of my brain as a separate entity because I think it, it works that way. It just controls this meat puppet. And it's, <laughs> yeah, the, the brain is different. <laughs> <laughs> what was the joke? There's like a McElroy joke where it's like, aren't we all considered haunted because we, we have like a, a ghost inside of us or something? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe it. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. I got a tickle in my throat. Um, Lucian, what did you do in games this week? Well, I did a TPK, or what we modified it into was a TPC for Total Party Capture. Mm. They all thought they died, though, because um, one of the tricks I did to um, kind of fool them is I made them roll their death saves as if they were about to die. But the reality of it is, in this pyramid, they need sacrifices and they need um anything they catch to stay for food for feeding some of the other creatures that are in this black pyramid they need them for sacrifices of rituals and stuff they need them for different things so they often will want to capture instead of just outright killing things right Mm -hmm. so i knew that going in i knew that going into my head that's what they would try to do and that's what happened so but i still made my players make their death save so One of them failed their death saves completely. A couple of them succeeded in their death saves and made their 1d4 roll. And I had them all roll their 1d4s, but technically they've all been knocked down. They're going to wake up inside the cell and prison area and they're going to be able to try to continue. And I'm sure at the end of that, um, from a dungeon master's perspective, in this instance, I'm excited because this sets up a uh, time for them to understand and get more information about what's going on here because there are other prisoners there that are there besides them. They didn't know that. Um, and this represents a way for me to give them more information than them just going from one room to another, killing everything they find inside of it and not really understanding why things are here, what's going on here, what, what what's happening. Um, but from their point of view, they just lost a big fight. And they thought they were going to die and they thought they were going to be making new characters. So I took the wind out of them a little bit. Right. And then I said, well, you're going to wake up in a prison. And sometimes most, some people don't like that style of gameplay because the whole, well, you're locked in prison and can't do anything. Isn't necessarily a fun game for some people or for most people. Like some people might think, okay, I, it'd be fun for me to try to figure out how to way to break out of Alcatraz and I could role play that. But that's not everybody's cup of tea of what they want to do when they come over to Jordan's house and sit down and play for three hours. They might not necessarily care about being in a cell and you're not letting me do any of my abilities and the guards just get to beat me around or make me do things. And it's, it's not as fun. And that when you take agency away from the players, you run the danger of, making them not want to come to a session again. And you don't want that. You don't want your group to break up from that. And I've been in those, like I've been thrown in a, in a prison version or a, you're now a slave of this group. You're on a slaver ship and you have to row and that's all you do. And you just kind of start to lose interest about why well, try to break the chains. Now you can't break the chains. Oh, yeah. I try to, the guard does this. Why well, try not to do that? Well, the guard beats you harder. All right, whatever. You know, you just start to lose that interest. So on me, I've got to make it so that I keep their interest. I, I understand that they've taken a big kick to the gut by losing this battle last week um, and hoping to make it fun and exciting for them and informative so that they know, oh, wait, there's other things going on here. They can give us information. We have more information. We're going to get out. And then this, the next piece of that, which was really interesting to me, if think about this, Jordan. Okay. Let's say your home party, 10th level, 11th level characters right now break the law. The guards swarm in and say you're under arrest. They take all their equipment. They put it in a room. They take those players and they put them in a cell. How long do you actually think a group of 11th level player characters are going to remain in a cell when they have all of their abilities, all of their spells, all of the stuff that they can do, even if you go really nitty gritty and say, well, you don't have your spell component or you don't have your holy symbol or whatever. They still have ways to get around those. So even the yeah. barbarian raging is a, is a Hulk at that point. How do you keep them in a cell? Well, I wouldn't 
I right. mean, like, uh, because right. they obviously can get out. And so it would be yeah. more of a moral con- quandary, I guess. Like, do you want to stay here to pay your dues and then they'll come and talk? Or do you want to break out and have the whole city against you and eventually right. have to leave the city? Not that they couldn't attack all of the guards in the city if they really wanted to. But, like, do they really want to leave that massacre, you know? I don't know. Like, do you want to leave yeah. that trail of blood or do you want right. to figure this out in a more diplomatic way? And I, I think I would present it like that because yeah, yeah. you're right. There is no way I can keep them in a cell. They could punch through the wall. The shadow monk could teleport out of a window. Like there's yeah. just, yeah. There's nothing you can do. So think of it that you're thinking of as a dungeon master and running your group. Think of it for a moment as you're the evil mastermind of your black pyramid and you've captured adventurers. What would you do with them? Like you wouldn't ever want to capture adventurers because they're always going to get out. It's like the, you would never want to capture James Bond and put him in a cell. That is never going to work in reality. If you're in the James Bond reality, because James Bond always gets out. Like, it's just, I was trying to think of a, of like, if you're trying to make your dungeon feel real and there's a reason why this creature is here how it feeds, how it stays there, why it's there in the first place. And you're trying to use a little bit of realism in your fantasy world. You're trying to make it make sense. Prisons and trying to lock up hugely powerful superheroes just is a nightmare of trying to figure out how you would do. Like you're talking about trying to set up like anti-magic shells and like just raw types of power, big oblit like um obliette like style dungeons or who knows i was just trying well, to figure and, out what would be really cool but and the, uh i in, but i just thought it was interesting yeah and two points i guess so point number one is you're the dm if you yeah. want to put them in a cage they're in a cage and they're just like well i try to teleport out something's preventing you from teleporting well yeah. i touch the bars the bars do 5d6 damn fire damage to you like if you want to keep them in you can keep them in because you're the dungeon master you can do whatever you want um, but like you said, that goes back to, well, I try to break the chains. Well, you can't. Well, I try to like not do what the guard, well, the guard just beats you harder. And that's not fun for the player. <laughs> no, so there's a happy thing. Um, but I think you have to focus, point number two is I think you have to focus on what your big bad evil guy is doing. And in the cases you described, it sounds like you're like, if you, sorry, we'll go back to me. So my my king necros of the black pyramid the inverted pyramid that was under the sand he has no interest in keeping our adventurers alive if there was a tpk he would have physically killed all of them because there's just no reason to keep them alive yeah but now going to salt marsh where i actually did have a tpk um my players were captured except one that failed his death saving throws the rest of them were captured And that guy had a vested interest in keeping them alive. And he was very frank with them in the, um, while in, in the story. So they met with the captain of the ship and he was just like, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If I kill you, other people are going to wonder why you didn't report back. And I'm going to get more adventures that come and I'm going to have more heat. And I don't want that. He's like, so what I want to do is I want to send you back with your lives, but I don't want you to tell anybody about us. What can, what compromise can we make where you can keep your lives, but I also can keep my business going of illegal activities. And so there was, there was an interest for him to keep them alive. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of your villains, you're going to have a hard time finding that, mm-hmm. especially if they're like 11th or 12th level and they've been fighting the bad guy for so long. And he's just like, wow, I finally have a reason to get rid of you or I have a chance to get rid of you. Uh, but I'm going to lock you up instead. Like, no, yeah. like, I think you just have to kill them. Yeah. I don't know. And, and putting your mind in the mind of somebody who lives in this world of superheroes, of m- really strong adventuring types that seem to always try to foil your plans. I think that, I think you're right. I think that you have to really go to their motivation in my black pyramid, definitely unrelated to Jordan's black pyramid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I was going with the, the boss in this is currently very egomaniacal um, is definitely doing the, has reasons to keep prisoners and has been taking prisoners from the surrounding land for many months now and they've found evidence of that. So I've been setting up this whole thing that people have been being taken. 
people have been being brought back to this pyramid never to be seen again. And so it sets up the ability for them to, to be captured. Um, but if it was a different villain and I would have thought, yeah, that villain would not capture these people. I think I would have killed that party and we'd be making new characters and trying to figure out what we were going to do for our next Monday night. But so it was definitely interesting. Um, it definitely was a TPK in that they all got knocked down. They did everything they could possibly do. And it is so hard to knock a player party down. They were popping potions into people that were down. They were healing spirits were going off everywhere. Um, every The ranger was using all of their spell slots for um, cure light wounds and, and whatever other healing spell they had had. They didn't use it for anything else. So it was just like constantly somebody would go down and they'd get back up, go down and get back up and go down and get back up. And it was this long drawn out fight because it's so hard to kill those players, <laughs> but it was fun. I think they're going to have a fun time. I think I did give them the option in discord after the session was over. I said, if you want to say narratively, your party did perish. If that's the group consensus, I have them in a jail cell at the moment because the story can continue and there's a reason for that it would. But I want to give you guys the option that says, if you say this is where this party ends and you guys are ready to make new characters and you want to move on from there, you guys want to control that narrative, then you can do it or we can continue on. And they chose, well, let's see how this you know prison thing goes and we'll see where we go from there. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to do on Monday night. We may bring in another player on Monday night. We may not. We have some extra um, um, characters in the cells there that can become... Um, sidekicks or help in the fight against the pyramid for now which i think will will be pretty fun they're going to learn about the bad guy because they don't know who the bad guy is at the moment they've just walked into this pyramid of evil and they don't know who's running the whole thing this is where they get to meet them so i think that'd be pretty cool other than that we did um well the other thing that made the battle really crazy uh, staying on that that monday night session you can see it on the vod's or up on youtube is that um the druid has a staff of insects that can do an ability that creates a swarm of insects that is basically like an insect cloud that does heavily obscure everything around them, right? And one of the things I did with a creature they fought, they fought two hags, two anus, anus hags, A-N-N-I-S, I think it's, I don't know how you pronounce it correctly, I hope I did, um, but two powerful hag-like creatures that were pretending to be cooks and then when the players got close, they they surprised them, turned into their natural form, and then just started really wailing on these guys. Um, and they had a fog cloud. And I wanted their fog cloud to be just like the insect cloud. like So it moved with the one who cast it. It was basically a big 30-foot, 20-foot thing. And theirs was more of like a more of an oily, smoky kind of thing, like a, a cook fire that's out of control. And it moved around. So all of a sudden, the entire battle happened in total obscurement. Talk about weird metagaming problems coming up when you have something like that. I think my players did a pretty good job of not metagaming too much, but it was really hard to say, well, you're in this swarm of insects from the druid. You're in this black oily smoke from the, the, the hag and 20 feet away is the downed player and the, the character wants to go over and heal that person. And, and the reality of it is you can't see that thing. You can't hear that thing. You don't know where your, your party member went down. But when you're looking at it on a map, you're like, I want to go over and heal my buddy. And you don't want to not let them go over and heal their buddy. So we started kind of doing some weird roles about perception. Could you find them? Um, all the roles were a disadvantage and people are using reckless just to get back to a normal attack and offsetting other disadvantage. It was a really weird fight of people couldn't see. And it was almost like a Marco Polo fight is the way I was thinking of it. And I was trying to think thematically, you would never put it in a movie because you, there would be no way to film it because all your actors and all your, your heroes are obscured. They couldn't see anything or see. So it was really weird. Um, so I probably won't do that again, but it was interesting to kind of use their tactics against them because mm -hmm. they'd been using these tactics to their advantage quite a bit um, and finally got used against them for the first time. So it was kind of cool. Other than that, we did a Wednesday night um, Tomb of Annihilation game. We are in the tomb. That's not much of a spoiler that there is a tomb in the Tomb of Annihilation adventure. Um, we've done pretty good. 
man, there's a lot of traps and stuff to deal with. There's a lot of puzzle stuff going on. There's a lot of craziness. There's a lot of stuff that could have killed our players outright, but we barely escaped or just managed not to have it happen. Um, it is a full on crazy kind of old school dungeon in some ways that I think it's based off of the tomb of horrors. Yeah. 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 It, it's so living it's, up to its name. For it's sure. uh, pretty, pretty harsh. Yeah. So that's been really fun. Um, we just leveled up in that. My war mage is getting really powerful. I believe, I hope he makes it to 10 before he dies at some point. <laughs> uh, we did do the thing where, um, the, the moral conundrum came up where there's a thing that we wanted say there's three things that you can choose. Mm -hmm. And if you touch one of them, basically you could three buttons that you're going to push and push one, two or three buttons and who knows what's going to happen. So our Druid conjured animals and had apes go up and push the buttons for us. And they got destroyed by, you know, pushing the wrong one or doing the wrong sequence or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we were laughing a little bit about it, but then we were kind of also a little um, disgusted a little bit or a little bit um, um, uncomfortable with the idea that we were using primates to try to figure this puzzle out so we weren't in danger. And I was like, that's kind of like what big pharma does when it tests its new drugs or no. if you get more <laughs> serious, like animal testing kind of stuff, which is just doesn't, I, under, I don't even want to get into the whole discussion of it because I love animals too much, but I understand needing to be able to test out. Our players were like, well, we don't want to be in the room trying to do that. We don't <laughs> want to these creatures in. And we just had this really weird thing about like those creatures at some point saying, you know what, we don't want to do what you're telling us to do because every time you summon us, you just send us into our death and we get shredded or we get acid poured on us or we get all this. We don't like you anymore. Stop calling us to come help you. <laughs> yeah and there's just, a couple of dms that'll run it like that like that yeah. that it's not just like a fresh new set of, of spirits every single time you conjure animals but instead it's just like well i'm not gonna come over here because you just send me to my doom all the time so yeah yeah so it is interesting to think about that and it was a little bit i understand you're trying you're playing a game i understand that you're trying to beat this stupid dungeon that is stacked against you in the first place doing just crazy stuff um, and you're going to try to use whatever resource you have at hand, mm -hmm. but there is also a little bit of moral conundrum going on there. When you start thinking about that, we have also like a guard that we saved. And one of the players jokingly said, we'll send the guard in to push the first button. And I was kind of like, I actually said, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Like I, my character morally would not just shove somebody in because the rest of us are scared to go in and do it. That doesn't seem to be where my, my moral of my character is. So. Right let them just sacrifice the, the guard that we saved thus far. Um, so it was interesting. It, it definitely come up. I saw it come up in Twitter. People were talking a little bit about it too. And it was an interesting conversation to have about using your summoned creatures as just tools and not thinking about the spirits or the things that they are that are coming to your summons to help you in the way that you're using them and what the consequences of that are. So that was interesting. But that was what I did in my gaming. Two of those games, I got I got to read two RPGs over the week. So I was excited about thinking about those types of games and playing those. I've been setting up the maybe possible Tuesday game, Roll20 paid Tuesday game, and see how that might go. So it was busy. It was definitely a busy RPG week and had a lot of fun. But what did Jordan do with all of his role play well i just got to play in my uh acquisitions incorporated game uh i couldn't ha i couldn't do salt marsh because i had rehearsals all week because we opened the last night with my play um but i did do acquisitions incorporated and it was our first session with acquisitions and it's really like the comedy is there and it's really fun um so we are looking for work and we end up going to uh we hear a bunch of different rumors which was kind of fun like we're walking through Waterdeep and we all got different rumors that we heard so when we got together we were like did you hear this i heard about this and that was kind of fun and then we go to the acquisitions incorporated home base and omen drawn is basically like i've hired you for this i'll give you a bunch of gold go go investigate this fissure that's opened up in Waterdeep um, because it's it's down underground and it's causing weird things are leaking out of it. And we sent some people in there, but they never came back. So we want to send a, a group of adventurers. He's like, I'll pay you money. Goodbye. And he leaves. And we find out later that we're not necessarily the group of people he thought we were 
because as we're trying to get down to the fissure, they're like, oh, you must be Spuddlegunk. And we're like, well, yes, we are. That's exactly <laughs> who we are. We would like to. And so uh, it's the humors there where we're, we're being mistaken for another adventuring group, but we're kind of just like thrown into this. Like, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, go on this adventure. We ended up fighting some undead creature that had like chunks of flesh falling off of her face or his face. And they just kept saying, oh, my allergies are acting up. And, and like during combat was just like, oh, damn allergies. And like, we're like, you're clearly undead. And, no, no, I've just my allergies. And it's like chunks of flesh are falling off. So the humor's there. It's really fun. We're having a good time. We're still level one. This is the first adventure I've played where usually you play one session. And then after that, you're level two. But at the end of the session, he was like, nope, you guys are still level one. You haven't finished the adventure yet. And I'm like, what? We've been doing a lot of combat, too. And it's kind of spooky, this level one stuff. So because uh, level one's just spooky and you can die really easily. Yes. The most dangerous level of all. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm playing a uh, fire sorcerer. That's a, a, a dragon bloodline. Um, and so it's been really fun. And, and I, the, my character is basically trying to make a name for himself because his dad was an adventuring hero, this like dragon that just ran around and, and caught, did all these adventures and there's stories written about him. And I'm just like one of his many children probably, but I want to make a name for myself and be like my dad. So I've decided to join acquisitions incorporated to like, you know, level up and be, and be an adventurer. And this is how I'm going to do it. So yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I, we're having a lot of fun with it. It's it's a really well so far. It's been a really fun campaign, and I'm excited to see where it goes. So, it's definitely on my list to do a The Office meets Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. which is basically Acquisitions Incorporated. Just that whole idea of I need you to fill out. Hey, you're at the HR department first. You need to fill out this paperwork here. You got to go through this orientation. Mm -hmm. um, sure, once a week we have a stand up meeting. You know, just do all that really stupid corporate stuff, but then throw it into we're fighting undead and dungeons and dragons yeah. and all this other stuff that's going on. That's crazy. But it's also just that that boringness of corporate world, which is super yeah. fun. You'll have like a cubicle back at your headquarters or something that has a half wall. Yeah, it would just be great. Um, I love that. I love the idea of, of a funny campaign. I love the idea of being lighthearted and making lots of jokes. Um, that's the type where you leave and your 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 mouth hurts from smiling for yeah. three hours because you've just been <laughs> having a good time, you know, the whole time. So I, I really like the idea of that. One really fun thing is uh, we decided to take a, a long rest, I think. And uh, when we do a long rest, our, our DM likes to use the Matt Colville roll, rule of rolling 2D12. And on an 11 or a 12, you have an encounter. Yeah. So you can't just rest safely. So he rolled and we got a, a 12 or something. So a bunch of rats came after us and he's like, what do you do? And I decided that I'm like, you know, I've got, I've got uh prestidigitation. Can I like fire fireworks out of my hand and make myself look as big as possible and just try to like scare these rats away? And he's like, yeah, roll an intimidation check. And I, I'm proficient in intimidation and I rolled like a 23 or something. And so the rats scattered and that was really cool. And there's a lot of, I guess my point is, is there's ways to get out of combat you don't necessarily have to just jump in and start attacking them like like uh and that 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 is with with all not all but i guess if you if you run into a bunch of bandits you can try and like talk to them and try to do that and so i was i thought that was really fun and 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 I, i'm hoping that we're able to do that more like maybe i can use the clout of my dad like you've heard of my dad i don't think you want to mess with me kind of a thing and do a persuasion check to to make sure the bandits don't want to kill me or steal from me because my dad might come and, and attack them or something you know yeah yeah. So, and you could run a really Monty Python style game, a Black Adder style game, mm -hmm. that really British humor in that style of game. And I would think in that campaign, maybe combat isn't the end all be all. It's about, like you said, talking yourself out of it or coming up with really weird creative ways to end that, you know, and just yeah. kind of moving on to the next part of the story. It's definitely an interesting and fun way to play a campaign. And I think with the right players that are that are bought into it and the dungeon master that's really liking it, 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 it would make for an awesome. I mean, I love watching C Team. It is so funny to watch them go through that whole thing. Yeah. Perfect. No, it's way fun. Um yeah, I think that's our show. Anything else we need oh. to hit before we leave? 
think that was it. I talked about the cool stuff I got. I talked about um, this coming up week is we'll be playing Monday and Wednesday if you want to check it out. Um, we're trying to make that big subscriber push on the Saturday morning D&D yes. show. So definitely tell your friends. Um, if you Which we've gotten a lot. We're super thankful. I think we, yeah. we've jumped from like 640 to 830. So it's happening. Uh, and again, trying to get to a thousand subscribers. Um, so yeah. so tell your friends. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's good. And thank Check you guys for podcast. doing that already and telling your friends and and retweeting and doing all the awesome stuff. We really appreciate it. So uh, we were talking about I don't I mean, we haven't really nailed anything down yet but we were also talking about maybe doing a giveaway kind of thing yeah. as a reward or as a celebration of us making it to that so keep keep an eye out for that um we're always looking for you're always talking about reviews on the podcast area because you can also get the show on podcast mm -hmm. um and so reviews help with that also so yeah maybe the, we'll do a dnd essentials kit or something that could be fun i think um, so Whoa. Oh, goodness. Yep. Noise. All right. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will be done with our episode today. Thank you again so much for watching. Thank you for liking and sharing and, and all that stuff. And uh, uh, we really super appreciate it. Uh, we will uh, see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.